You you have been following the uh, the the Trump uh, fraud trial where President Trump has been following it fairly closely. He also today made a series of comments that seem to be in direct contravention of the gag order that was issued by uh, the Justice uh, Arthur uh, Angoran. And uh, what 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 happens here? What happens next? Uh, does Trump have reason to be concerned about the judge's order to him to be quiet? He just called the case rigged against him uh, again and uh, sent out a fundraising letter basically saying the court clerk was Schumer's girlfriend. Uh, what's going on? Well, the judge's gag order, Michael, only applies to the to Trump attacking the judge's staff. So I think that the judge is carefully uh, respecting President Trump's free speech rights outside the courtroom to say what he wants about the trial, the prosecution. I think he's even still allowing President Trump to attack the judge himself, but he doesn't want the secretaries, the clerks, and so on attacked. But the bigger point, I think, is that what's really going on is that President Trump has already lost the case. Last week, this judge issued a decision saying he already finds that the Trump Organization and Trump and the Trump family all committed fraud. And so there's nothing, I don't think, that really President Trump can do to change that outcome. He's certainly not going to be able to persuade this judge to change his mind. And so I think instead what Trump has done is he said, okay, I've lost this, but I'm going to make the best of it, which is that this trial gives me a great platform to make political statements, to continue to claim that the justice system is corrupt, to continue to accuse New York State of persecuting him. And that seems to be helping him in the political world, even though it's almost 100 percent going to contribute to him losing the case. Okay, there are six other accusations uh, that he has besides the fraud. And uh, those other as uh, accusations include falsifying business records, uh, insurance fraud, and uh, there are conspiracy charges uh, put against him in this, uh, in this trial. The, the number uh, in terms of fines that Letitia James is seeking, she's seeking uh, $250 million in fines. It could actually go even higher than that, couldn't it? Yes. The, uh, what attorney, the, the state here, Attorney General James, is asking for is uh, disgorgement, you know, the return of all the illegal profits that Trump apparently, allegedly made from fraud. And then other measures, too, which I think are equally important to uh, the president, which would be you can't do business in the state of New York anymore. You're going to be required to sell off the properties, you know, which is how he first became famous in the 80s, I guess in the early 80s and later 80s. You're going to, you know, you're not going to be allowed to do business in the territory of New York anymore. Uh, and so uh, these are, right, these are, I, I saw uh, one corporate law fellow say, and I agree with him, he said, this is like the death penalty for a company, right? It's putting it out of business. Okay, if, if President Trump, who has not looked 
like he's enjoying this process at all. There's not the normal sort of zest and enthusiasm and ebullience that you associate with Donald Trump. Uh, if he approached or his representatives, his attorneys approached Letitia James uh, or Judge Angoran for some kind of a deal uh, that involved uh, them either uh, lessening uh, the uh, levels of uh, relief that they are looking for in the trial, uh, somehow making a, a, a deal, a plea bargain, uh, that included President Trump uh, withdrawing his presidential candidacy. Do you think they would even consider that? I don't think that uh, New York State really has any right to demand that. I think uh, that would be, for example, it would be like, suppose you were a car salesman and the car, you know, the you defrauded the buyer of the car. The buyer can't say, okay, I want you to give me the money back for the car, stop your deceptive practices selling the car, and oh yeah, you can't vote for President Trump or, Donald, or, or, Biden, or Joe Biden either. Like, I don't think the state of New York has the authority here to go beyond, right, this business and commercial activity on the Trump organization's part. Um, there are uh, suggestions here and there that Trump's lawyers did try to see if there were any possibility of compromise, any possibility for a plea deal, as you said, Michael. But it sounds like New York State wasn't happy with whatever they were offering and turned them down. And, and again, New York State, they seem to be holding most of the poker cards right now uh, because uh, you've even talked about Trump throwing in the towel. Uh, meanwhile, there's conversation, and it, it apparently is serious conversation. It's well, now already involved more than a dozen members of the House of Representatives of uh, installing President Trump as the new Speaker of the House. Uh, would that be contravene rules of the Republican conference in the House because he's under indictment? So this is really interesting. Uh, it's a kind of a gap in the Constitution. Uh, no speaker, I mean, let me put it differently, every speaker has been a member of the House in our history. But if you look at the Constitution, it just says, right, the House selects a speaker. It doesn't break any requirements, actually, about who the speaker is or isn't. So there have been these suggestions from time to time to bring in someone completely outside of Congress. I even remember back there was a movement to bring Newt Gingrich back as speaker. But there's no requirement that has to be speaker. And you know, to the extent the Republican conference or the caucus, the Republican members have these rules, they can always change them. Now, I don't think Trump would accept it because I bet he can't remember the last time a speaker of the House actually became president. I think, I, I was really struggling to remember this, I think it might have been uh, James Polk, who was yes, a great was. president, James, James, but he was James a one-termer. Yeah. <laughs> he was a one-termer. Right, and, and he, he, he volunteered. He uh, promised beforehand he'd serve only one term. Exactly. I don't know if that's Trump's role model. <laughs> No, it's, uh, again, uh, and, and also there's kind of the advancing age. President Trump is 77, and if he served as Speaker 
and didn't run this time. And it would probably be difficult to to actually serve as speaker while campaigning for president, wouldn't it? I, I assume his plan, and I think this is what he's doing with his trial, too, is to always stay in the public eye. I assume he would only accept being speaker as right, a pommel horse or a vault to jump off and become president. Just the way he's using this trial. You know, there today he said, I wish I was in Iowa, I wish I was in New Hampshire, not in this trial. That's not right. Actually, being in that trial means he doesn't have to go to Iowa and New Hampshire. And if he was speaker, he wouldn't have to keep campaigning. He would be in the middle of the public eye the whole time. Uh, in, in terms of selecting a new speaker and a new direction for the House, isn't there some kind of change in focus that that could do do better? Uh, we have a situation where eight members of the Republican conference, uh, 4%, in other words, of the Republican conference, uh, was able to contravene the wishes of 96% of their fellow Republicans and to get rid of McCarthy. If that kind of ability persists, doesn't it make it unlikely that uh, any prominent congressman or prominent non-congressman would accept the speakership. You're asking me now to go back and think about my days as a Hill staffer, which I try not to do, but uh, this is the problem, is uh, usually what you have in these kind of situations is the party agrees, and then they agree to unify around a candidate, and then once you get into the day-to-day of legislation, that group agrees to support their leadership no matter what, because that's still better than the opposing party running everything. Um, but here what you have is you have a small number of people, for whatever reason, have decided to break that you know, rule of practical politics because they see something better in it for them. Say their claims, for example, that Matt Gates, the leader of this, wants to run for governor of Florida, and so it advantages his national position to be seen to do this, even though it destroys the ability of the Republican majority to govern. So I think you're right, Michael, as long as there's this group of people who are about eight, so it's much more than the four-vote, slender four-vote majority Republicans have, then why would anyone want to take on this job if they're guaranteed to be able not to succeed? Uh, That's what happened. Everyone's going to look and see, look what happened to McCarthy. I, part of what what happened here with proceeding against him is I've I've written about this. Uh, America seems to have an impeachment obsession. Uh, we've had uh, we went uh, many many years, many generations in the United States without impeachment proceedings against any president except for Andrew Johnson, the only one. And uh, then all of a sudden, in in modern times, we've had impeachment proceedings against Richard Nixon, against uh, President Clinton, against President Trump twice, and now against President Biden. Uh, Not proceedings yet, but investigations on Capitol Hill. Isn't it uh, reminiscent of that uh, same obsession trying not just to defeat your enemies but to destroy your enemies that they went after actually driving uh mccarthy from the speakership i do think it's a reflection of uh the sort of hyper polarization that we're seeing um but when those kinds of periods of partisanship people think 
they're not going to get rewarded for engaging in compromise, discussion, passing legislation. Uh, you're right. There, It is a species of the impeachment. I think uh, this is one thing that happened. I think we talked about this at the time of the two impeachments that um, Democrats were kind of regularizing impeachment. There would be no longer an extraordinary remedy for presidential abuse of power uh, if you if you overused it. And I think that's what's happened. Uh, and so the, the Trump impeachment, I think, were just another example of this effort to uh, yeah, use all tools, rather than, uh, all possible tools to uh, attack the enemy. And, you know, you think about Lincoln, you know, Lincoln in his first inaugural address, even in the, you know, while secession was occurring, he said, we're Americans, we are not enemies, we're friends, we can have disagreements with our friends about the right things to do. We shouldn't think of each other as enemies. And I worry that we are starting to think of each other that way. Yeah, Lincoln said, I believe uh, we are not enemies. We must be friends. Yes. And and again, that's <laughs> that, that was on the verge of civil war. I don't think we're on the verge of civil war at this point. But uh, Nor do I. Do you, Nor do I. Uh, well, no, no good. Uh, but it, it, in terms of uh, what happens next with this situation, uh, where you have seventy percent of Americans, according to the standard polling, that wishes that both candidates wouldn't run, that we wouldn't have a campaign anymore from Donald Trump or Joe Biden. Uh, what's um, what's ailing? our system that has produced this uh, sort of dead end regarding this upcoming election? You know, this reminds me a lot. I haven't thought about it thoroughly, but this reminds me a lot of the end of the 19th century and the early 20th century when we also had huge changes in the economy and we had really partisan elections where you may remember that was time were times when People were winning the presidency without winning the majority vote, where a guy won, then he lost the presidency, and he reran and won it a second time. The only president, Grover Cleveland, who ever won two presidencies, but not consecutively. And partisanship was very high back then. Uh, and eventually we snapped out of it. And I think maybe that's what's going on here, too. I think maybe we're struggling to figure out how our politics is going to work when everything's getting realigned in the economy, in society, and the political parties are still trying to figure out how to respond. And until that happens, I think we're going to still see this hyper-partisanship just like we did 100 years ago. Getting back to the legal system and some of the legal challenges with 91 uh, charges, articles of uh, indictment against President Trump already and more to come, uh, do you believe that there would be a point if, for instance, he ends up, as you expect and everyone expects, the losing this fraud case in New York, is there a case when this is going to stop helping Trump and beginning harming his campaign? I got to think that it seems to be helping him with Republicans, right? If you look at the polling, his uh, back before these indictments, uh, DeSantis was pretty close to Trump. And I thought I saw, I think I remember a poll that actually once showed DeSantis ahead of Trump right. at one point. You know, it's hard to believe before any of this happened. 
But I gotta think it's gonna lose them independence. I don't see why independence would go along and say, "Oh, I'm gonna vote for an indicted president." You know, they may not buy Trump's story that the justice system is corrupt and it's out to get him. I mean, that does appeal. It does seem to appeal to about 60 percent of Republican primary voters. I don't think it's a winning message for the general election. On the other hand, all he has to do is say, well, yeah, but I'm running against a guy that a lot of people in America thinks not competent to hold the office anymore. So all you have to do in elections is just beat the other guy. You don't have to prove you're a perfect candidate either these days. Yeah, and of course there's also the charge that he's committed impeachable offenses and he's benefited from his son's dirty dealings in Ukraine and China and elsewhere. And uh, those grounds for impeachment will almost surely proceed under the next speaker. Wouldn't it be refreshing if whoever the new speaker is uh, suggested that we're going to try to concentrate on actually improving life for ordinary Americans and a little bit less on political games? I you uh, got a deal. I got an idea. President Biden should pardon Trump, drop all the prosecutions. The House should drop all its impeachment investigations into Biden and let the American people decide in the 2024 elections what they want. What 